Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradigm. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and generational prosperity. I believe that there are families and businesses that have learned to give a new definition to the word success from a kingdom perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 to 30 minutes where we take traditional thinking and turn it upside down. Hello, everyone. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist. Thank you so much for being with me for another episode of Redefining Success. Today, joining me is Jason Skisik. He is an entrepreneurial evangelist. I love that term. He is the owner of Spear and Clover. He's a veteran. Also, as I looked at this, an, a serial entrepreneur, which I can definitely relate to. So I know we're going to have a lot of fun having conversations around business, business structure, and how that weaves in and out of overall life. So Jason, thank you so much for being here today. Eric, thank you so much, man. I'm really excited to be here. I appreciate you sharing your audience. And I just, you know, in the short little bit that we've been talking here, really uh, see eye to eye with you on so many things. So I'm so excited to see where this goes. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. Uh, my first question is always the same. Hey, it's a warm afternoon, depending on where you are, that may not be the same as it is right now, but it's a Saturday afternoon, I fired up the barbecue grill. I've invited all of my friends over uh, just to have a good time. My listeners are my friends. Would you please introduce yourself to my friends? If I had to be hokey, and 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 I probably would be, I would say I'm I'm sort of the nexus where spirit of the puppy meets the military mindset. Uh, and, and what I mean by that, those are two of my core values. They're also what make up my spear and clover uh, icon here. Um, and what I mean by that is I was born with spirit of the puppy, which means I go super hard into the things that I'm passionate on. I have a ton of boundless energy and curiosity that I pursue deeply, whether it's uh, snowboarding or gambling at one point or uh, now entrepreneurship and, and certainly uh, those types of things. Um, but I also, when I went into the army, got military mindset, which is what gives me the discipline to pursue and develop these skills that I'm super passionate about. Um, and so for me that right now that's jujitsu, that's learning about AI this week, uh, that's working on classic cars, all sorts of stuff like that. So outside of entrepreneurship, the spearing clover very much represents mm. who I am as a person. Mm. So if we kind of look at that, look at your life right now, what, what are you most passionate about today? Well, uh, the obvious stuff, my wife and daughter, Lucy, um, uh, my my podcast, my um, we're growing a tribe that's a, a mastermind called Spear and Clover Mastermind. Um, I am very passionate about uh, uh, jujitsu. I train jujitsu three to five times a week. Um, I, I've competed a little bit. Uh, I love kickboxing, but I, I'm, I'm I found kickboxing too old, and I can't be getting <laughs> hit in the head too often. So uh, I just turned forty this year, so we won't be competing in kickboxing. Um, yeah, I, I love anything where I can be a part of of hardworking folks like me, um, side to side, my friend Robin Lalonde calls that elective collective suffering. And so I, I love, love, love elective collective suffering. Elective collective suffering. Yeah. That's a, I'm going to have to write that down. That's a fantastic. 
yeah, fantastic that's like, phrase. Yeah, it's like CrossFit, hot yoga, cycling clubs, marathon runners, anybody that is willing to do something that's really, really difficult uh, right next to some other folks that are also in the thick of it with them. Uh, and, you know, you always hear the who do you want in a foxhole with you, you know, army references. It's very similar. Yeah, yeah. As you kind of look at kind of getting to where you are today and the journey that you've been on, what would you say are some of the biggest obstacles that you've faced kind of along the way? I mean, the the show is redefining success. I'd love to hear just kind of some of the stories of how you've gotten from where you are, from where you were to where you are today. You know, there's been, if you think about it in terms of like, like lily pads, there's been lily pads that I've had to leap from. Mm throughout my life, uh, starting with, you know, like I said earlier, I, I have, um, I had pretty severe ADD when it was unchecked and I didn't yet know myself. And so, uh, in first grade, I was removed from public school. I was put into a private, uh, you know, the, the, um, it was like a behavior disorder school with 40 Mm -hmm. kids K through 12. Um, and so from first grade to seventh grade, I was, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to learn at my own pace and have really great teachers who understood maybe what I needed at that time. But also unfortunate enough, I was around gangbangers and, you know, suicidal people and people there. We had smoke breaks at this school, right? I mean, it was, it was pretty intense, um, but came out of that uh, better for it. Um, that spirit of the puppy led me down some passionate paths. Like I mentioned snowboarding before when I was a kid, I loved cars. I worked at the shop. I loved clothing. I worked at the mall. And then I found a love for, for pool and poker. Uh, And so, (laughs) so that led me down a path of, of kind of a vicious cycle of gambling. I I've always said I was a gambling addict and having met some pretty dark addicts, I'm not sure if I'm willing to say that I was an addict, Mm. uh, but I definitely was not on the right path. And so that spirit of the puppy as great as it was, and as much as it is the one of the brightest flames that kind of burns inside of me and makes me who I am, I knew in a moment of clarity in my young twenties that I needed to find some discipline and purpose and go from, you know, a super passionate boy to, you know, a man, uh, which is why I ultimately joined the army. Uh, So that was the second obstacle was getting over kind of being in a rut um, with gambling. And then um, coming out of the military, I think innately, I hadn't yet defined it, but innately I had kind of harnessed uh, the spirit of the puppy a little bit using uh, military mindset. The problem was I tried to do spear and clover. So I tried to go to school for finance and become a corporate banker at the same time as I launched a tribal CrossFit community business with two other friends. So we did those two two things for, for, uh, at the same time, uh, the gym of course is still running and believe it or not, the bank has forged on without me. Uh, (laughs) um, but it wasn't until I realized that ultimately those two things together would be where I would be in my power that I ended up leaving the corporate world, committing full-time to entrepreneurship, and then have been able to, to overcome you know, other obstacles since, but I feel like I've given you enough of those obstacles. I'm happy to go further because there have been many. Well, no. So tell me a little bit, let's talk a little bit about that journey. What, what was life like? Where were you when you're kind of doing a little bit of, so you said you were working corporate and doing a little bit of entrepreneurship, doing the CrossFit gym on the side. Um, what, what ultimately kind of led you down the path of saying, you know what, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to step out of the door of this corporate you know what some people would say, even safety net. Yeah. Um, and, and walk out of that. What did that look like? Yeah. I mean, I came out of the army, um, clean. I was, I was, I, I always tell people when I got back from the army, I, I 
had such a clear conscience, uh, and I was very fortunate because uh, to have that. Uh, but I remember le- living in Chicago in the first year, probably walking around this busy city, like looking for eye contact, like, hey, let's talk, let's make friends, let's go do something fun. Because I had just had done nothing wrong in so many so long, and uh, had had worked hard on myself and relationships, and we had been on projects that were very difficult. So I had a lot of pride. Um, Ended up enrolling in school at DePaul for uh, for finance. Did well there. Went through a finance honors program. A lot of those folks I'm still very much in contact with today. Um, and I got one of the best starting jobs you can get coming out of that tier of finance school. Um, great job as a uh, as a, a commercial banking analyst. Uh, so I'm literally sitting in top of a high rise on the 57th floor of this beautiful downtown high rise building. Uh, we're analyzing 20 million dollar deals, 50 million dollar deals. We're you know sitting down with bosses of bosses of bosses, and all I can think about Eric is my dusty little CrossFit gym that yeah. had you know maybe at the time probably 50 members. You know that was making you know. $1,500 a month or you know, right. $2,500 a month. And so I'm modeling that on my Bloomberg terminal. And I mean, just like, just ridiculous. Uh, you know, so that was taking all my time and attention. It just, you know, I, I had a, my very first mentor at my very first mastermind said something that has stuck with me ever since, which was there's three types of work. There's work that you can do there's work that you can't do and you just shouldn't do that. There's Mm. work that you can do, but every day you go home tired and it drains you. And then Mm. there's work that you can do. And no matter how much of it you do, it seems to give you energy. Mm. And Eric, this right now gives me energy. I've never been on a call with an entrepreneur and left with less energy. Mm. I've never coached a CrossFit class and left with less, less energy. I've never taught somebody something and left with less energy. I've never helped somebody out and left with less energy. Right. I can do models. I can create spreadsheets. I can read contracts and come back and understand the covenants. Those things drained me. And so ultimately it just, you know, over the course of time, I realized at first I thought I was a fitness tribal entrepreneur. And ultimately what I've really determined is, is that I'm very much just a tribal entrepreneur that loves building community and connections and making business babies, as I like to call it. (laughs) But wait, so were you, when you decided to go out on your own, were you married at the time or were you single? No, sir. I was single. Uh, when I, okay. so, so Donna, my now wife, we were dating at the time. Um, and, uh, actually she was very much a bridge to help me get through that time. Uh, okay. because, uh, in the beginning of when I left my other job, um, there was definitely some hard times financially. Um, but I would say that only accelerated and turbocharged the output that came in the, the following, you know, six months to a year. So did she think you were crazy? No, I think, <laughs> I think there are two types of spouses of entrepreneurs. There are the types of spouses that support you and understand that you're a visionary who sees the world as it could be and can't help take, but take action. And yeah. I think there are future divorces. I think that's the <laughs> only two that exist because, uh, my, my previous relationship, um, you know, candidly and vulnerably, my, my previous relationship was seven years long and within two years or so we started the business and I was going to school at DePaul and we had started this, you know, little warehouse gym. And I remember talking to her and saying, you know, well, in six months, we'll probably have more clients, which means I won't have to work all the time and we'll do this, that, and the other. And she goes, will it still even be there in six months? And that bullet killed my relationship, even though it took five more years to die. Um, And and so it, it hurts my heart 
when I do now talk to entrepreneurs who don't have support from the people that they love, whether it's their significant others or their family. Um, I've been very fortunate on my family side that they've always yeah. believed in me. Um, and by the way, not to cast aspersions on her. She was a CPA. She was very, uh, very much grounded in, uh, in, in structure and in, uh, in, you know, uh, structure, right? And, and yeah, the hierarchy yeah. of how things should go and sort of this idea of this roadmap to success. Um, and so no no disparagement to her. We just weren't meant to be together. I don't know if you know this or not, and you may, Jason, but um, I've looked up the statistics that actually the divorce rate for entrepreneurs is 10% higher than the general public. Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that. I think mostly um, first is is the 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 reflection of what I just referred to. Yep. But the second thing, probably, and this is something that I encounter now a little bit, although my wife and I are very good uh, at communicating, which I hope to will help us, uh, <laughs> is that entrepreneurs, by definition, are always seeking growth, right? Uh, for the most part, whether it's improving a system that they're working on now. Ultimately, entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs when they're not working. Right. And so we're always seeking solving problems. We're always seeking growth. And when we learn a new technology or a new uh, um, skill or a new idea, it's very, very quick that we want to adapt to that and overcome it and then find the next thing. And so it's not surprising to me that a higher percentage of us are with people who are not that way because we're somewhat rare. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, one of the things that I find, I don't know, especially with the other entrepreneurs that you work with, the other thing that I do find, because you said communication. I think mm -hmm. communication is really key is a lot of entrepreneurs are ready, fire, aim. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. sometimes that's hard from a communication standpoint for a spouse who's not in the dark on what are we firing at since we haven't even aimed yet. Do you see yeah. that true with a lot of the entrepreneurs you coach? 100%. And, and, and maybe the, the, um, the lesson that I learned fortunately very early is that Donna, my wife has worked in several of my businesses with and for me, um, never only once as a partner. Uh, and unfortunately that business never really launched because of COVID unfortunately. Mm. But, um, what I would say is if you couldn't be married to any of your employees right now, you're probably doing it wrong because you're probably treating them in ways that you wouldn't be proud of if you really thought about it. Mm. And so when I hired my wife for the first time at the gym, uh, I just made sure a couple of things. Number one, uh, that the relationship was more important. The horizon on our relationship is infinite as far as I'm concerned. At least yep. that's the hope, right? right. Um, and so because of that, by definition, any obstacle along that path becomes minuscule in comparison. Sure. Because if the objective is to get to the horizon, then anything in your way, you either go around it or you find a way to get over it. Um, and then separately, the reason I married my wife was because she was the first person that I'd ever met and remains to be this, uh, where me being right was a distant second to me being in love with her. Mm. And so very quickly I saw, um, like, it's almost like when you see a camera focus from near to far, very yeah. quickly, I saw the little thing in front of me go out of focus and become blurry and her mm. in the other side of the room become very, very clear. And oh, so I'll be honest, this, this isn't hard. It can be difficult. Don't get me wrong, but it's actually pretty simple. I just found a person who I love more than myself and my desired outcomes. <laughs> Which is sometimes the number one thing standing in between us and real love. If you look at that, oh my God, it's always, the, I mean, either that or a brick wall, right? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Hey, Jason, when you were younger, how did you define success? Hmm. Well, um, 
like I assume a lot of your listeners, um, I was reading Rich Dad and Poor Dad. I was reading, you know, The Art of the Deal, even though that's probably a strange <laughs> topic these days. I was reading Forbes magazine. I was reading anything that would make me feel like one day I would have a suit and a Mercedes mm. S-Class and like a big fancy house and all those other things that I thought would make, make me feel better or successful. I will admit that I've never been a pedestal guy where like, oh, that's the only thing I can think about. I've always been had that spirit of the puppy thing where I'm loving life as I go through. But uh, but definitely I defined it as, you know, in the 90s, that was six figure job, uh, you know, benefits, you know, the nice house, uh, you know, maybe membership at some club that I would probably never go to that type of stuff. <laughs> so what do you how do you define success today? Well, I actually had it copywritten, but in the moment, it's it's essentially having a business that I'm passionate about, that I love to run, that doesn't turn into a prison. Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of passionate entrepreneurs find themselves in prison pretty quickly. Um, and we can talk about that more if you like. But yeah. um, so having a business that that works for me, that helps the world, that makes people's lives better, uh, being able to spend as much of my time doing as much of the things that I want that I do. Um, and so to give you an idea, I have a perfect week calendar that gets modified over the course of time. But basically, I start with that perfect week calendar, which is a blank slate of seven days. Uh, and I put in my non-negotiables, which are, of course, sleep, my time with my wife and daughter. Uh, I block 72 hours a week with my wife and daughter. Um, I go to jujitsu uh, and kickboxing for about three hours, four days a week uh, on the schedule, at least sometimes that doesn't happen, unfortunately. Um, and then uh, I do solo missions once a week. That's either a ruck march where I go by myself with my dogs, or I'll go do a float tank and, and think about business and place in the universe and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Uh, and then with what's left, that's when I block my schedule. So to give you an idea, I currently work from one to 5 PM, uh, which comes out to about 20 hours a week. Um, although I was been going through a launch. So I've been working a little bit more than that lately. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. You said where most business owners get caught in a prison. What is, yeah. what do you see in the guys that you, or the, the people that you work with? You know, I haven't quite put my finger on exactly why, but I think I'm narrowing in on why you see so many people come from fitness businesses to doing what I do, which is sort of tribal mastermind and courses and, you mm -hmm. know, coaching of other entrepreneurs. Uh, and that's because fitness is one of the few industries where everybody that starts a gym or a coaching business or a personal training business, nobody does that to be a, become a millionaire. It may be in the back of their head and they may say it, but you don't choose that unless you are really love helping people trans transform their lives. You mm -hmm. could say the same thing about a lot of musicians. You could say the same thing about, um, potentially, uh, you know, chiropractor. I mean, just there's all sorts of these sort of passionate uh, entrepreneurs that I that I know very well. One because I am one, but the other because I'm in masterminds with them, and I've been on thousands of calls with these types of folks. Um, and we all start these businesses to be passion. And so what we do is we go in and we say, I want to become the best personal trainer I can be. I want to be the, become the best jujitsu coach that I can possibly be. And so you focus, focus, focus on being the best producer of the best product that you possibly can be, and you forget that it's a business. And so hmm. I could introduce you, Eric, unfortunately, to about a thousand entrepreneurs just like that, that are the best at what they do in their area or in their field. Um, and they can't take vacation and nobody else can do what they do because they, they I, I call them magicians because they have magic between their ears and they don't understand how to get that scaled out to the world mm -hmm. because they're just one person. Um, and so what I do is I help magicians understand that the magic between their ears is in fact science. And if we ask the right question, 
patients and we write these things down, we can actually put in systems and, and SOPs and training that will allow us to scale that magic into science and thereby out to the world. Oh, wow. Wow. So when you're talking, you were talking a little bit about your mastermind that you've got. Um, who's the who's the ideal client? Who's the people that come finding you that have the best success? Yes, that's a great. That. That's a great question. I, I think it's magicians for sure. It's these folks that are passionate about what they do, but they don't exactly know how to get there. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Yep. Uh, one of my couple of my favorite clients I have right now, Ryan Sprague, is a cannabis coach. He's a podcaster, a podcast guest. He helps people to add what I would refer to, but probably he wouldn't like a shamanic tradition back to this herb that we've been using for thousands of years. Yeah. And now it's legal, but there's people are just using it the same way they use shots of tequila. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so he's, he's someone who helps people to kind of find balance and, and the magic back with, with cannabis. I have another great client who's a holistic OBGYN and believes in natural birth. And these are super passionate subject matter experts that are at the top of their field but they don't know how to make a sales funnel and they don't know how to, uh, you know, they, they didn't necessarily give thought to their core values and their mission and how to achieve goals that were based in, you know, reality that could be broken down and achieved reliably. Um, mm. I work with a lot of people from fitness. I work with people from marketing, um, who I probably don't work with very often, uh, though it's not impossible would be like, you know, the day traders of the world or even physicians, maybe, you know, things like that, where if you, if you're, um, if you're an insurance salesman and your goal is to maximize profit and, and get as many sales as you can, if you're in roof sales, uh, this is a very lucrative business that I have absolutely no interest in. Uh, but if you're interested in it, it's really your passion that makes you somebody that would be a good fit to work with me. Uh, so the mastermind is pretty unique in that, um, it's an actual mastermind as opposed to, you know, these sort of tribes that gather around what I would call gurus. Mm -hmm. Um, so the mastermind is centered around you. It's around, it's around the tribe. Uh, and so we meet twice a month. Um, we have an expert guest speaker who comes in and gives us, you know, all sorts of information on their subject matter expertise. And then we actually break out into to small groups and we mastermind with each other and help each other solve each other's problems through experience share and through ideation. Um, and already in a short time, we are seeing multiple business babies being born out of that. And so the vision for it, Eric, is I want to create a digital city of problems solvers hmm. where there's a thousand people brought to bear every time one person has a problem and then we all go forward knowing the answer to that one problem that's great what tell us a little bit more you talked a little bit about this before which i want to know a little bit how this is different tell me tell us about destiny defined or dynasty so, dynasty, dynasty defined that's okay uh so um yeah, so I do have a course. Um, the course is based on this simple idea. I, I went into a float one day. It was I had been retired for a year. I sold two businesses in two years, uh, and I, I will once a month will go into a float tank and just think, you know, think yeah. about my place in the universe, kind of blow up, you know, uh, a business model and kind of put it back together as efficiently as I can. Um, and I went into this float asking myself one question, Eric, because I don't really like sales. So I go into this thing. I said, I'm going to build something. I want to build something that I want to sell. I want to build something that I would stand on a mountaintop, beat my chest about and fight over. 
right? And so what I came out of was things like core values, things like understanding the mission that you're on, things like finding a, building a team that wants to be there, understanding how to get them in the same boat, rowing as hard as they can in the same direction, um, and, and building what I would call a dynasty organization. Uh, because unfortunately, these things are not as sexy as sales funnels and uh, marketing and social media and all the other things that I don't give a shit about, to be honest with you. Eric. Um, <laughs> And so I was like, well, how do I set, how do I explain that in a way that maybe is a little sexier? And so it, the, it occurred to me that dynasties in sports are that, right? Mm -hmm. The Patriots, the Steelers, the New Zealand All Blacks, the New York Yankees. These are organizations that have rock solid foundations. They know who they are. They know what their core values are. They know what their mission is. And they, there's, they have frameworks that can take any player, any coach, any playbook and incorporate them into that winning organization. And so when you think about organizations like that, these are organizations that typically are able to be in the hunt, at least, if not champions, regardless of who's coaching, regardless of who's on the field and regardless of the plays that are being called. And I think there's a reason for that. And so for me, Dynasty Defined is all about helping entrepreneurs to create dynasty organizations of their mm -hmm. own where it's not their success isn't reliant on the magic between their ears. It's mm -hmm. not reliant on that one rock star salesperson that they managed to hire. And it's not reliant on some, you know, hot shot playbook that they bought from a guru online. Hmm. You referred to this a couple of times, kind of the magic or the magician. Let me ask this one question. So what is, what's the biggest obstacle that stands in between the magician shifting to being able to actually get into a different state? What do you see? So there's something I call the beautiful butterfly complex or a, a, a what is that? It's a paradox. Uh, and one is the entrepreneur says, I'm a beautiful butterfly. I'm special. I create something where once there was nothing. And then on the other side, they held the same, the, the belief that why can't everybody do what I do? These two ideas cannot coexist in the same reality. <laughs> and so what I try to do is to help people to understand that, yes, in fact, entrepreneurs are special, especially visionary entrepreneurs. They are special, but they're not the only ones capable of impacting the world in their special way. And so a lot of times you meet the, um, the subject matter expert who thinks they are the only person that can actually do the magic. And the reality is like all things that we've ever called magic, those things actually do have some science behind them. It's just asking the right questions to the right level of detail. And so what I do is um, I don't sell answers, Eric. I sell questions. Mm. I sit down with that person or we do it in a cohort model like we do in Dynasty Defined. And we go through a 12-week process and sometimes longer uh, the process of revealing exactly what makes them a beautiful butterfly, exactly what would make them successful in the long term, exactly where they want to go, exactly what is the special sauce that makes them so special. Okay, let's write it down. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the time I'll have somebody come in and say, well, you know, uh, the I want, I want the guys that change the oil to change the oil. And then I go, great. What's a great oil change look like? Oh, well, they do a good job and it gets done quickly. Okay. What type of oil do they use? What tools do they use? Uh, how, what is the torque that they apply on the, the, the nut when they're done? Like yeah. all of those details that people just take for granted. Sure. So it's this, it's sort of this like impetuous, impatient nature that entrepreneurs often carry <laughs> because we are able to see and, and solve problems as quickly as we are. If we want to be successful, we need to understand how to convey that to people who aren't us. Mm. Mm. Jason, this has been incredible. We're getting close to kind of the end here. Is there anything that you wanted to make sure you got a chance to share that I didn't get a chance to ask you a question about? 
No, only that I think you're a terrific interviewer and this is a, a really great podcast. I'm having a good conversation with you. Um, and, uh, and I hope your, your audience is enjoying it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, someone said, Hey, what Jason's doing sounds really, really fascinating. What's the best way for them to do that? The first thing I would have you do, if you're still listening to this podcast, it means that you like Eric and what he's doing with the show because he is pouring his heart out to make an unbelievable product. And also the guy's got great ears and a small mouth, which is like the, that's like the perfect thing for, uh, for a podcast host as I'm trying to learn myself. Uh, and so go to the page for this podcast. You're listening right now, like it, review it and share it with a friend because that costs you almost nothing and it will mean the world to him. If you still have any energy left over, I would encourage you to check me out at spearandclover.com. Um, I'm also uh, on Instagram as my platform of choice. I'm Jason Skisick or Spear and Clover. Um, if you're some of the LinkedIn folks, please find me there. Same thing, Jason Skisick and Spear and Clover. Um, and then if you go to my website, I'd love to invite you to test drive our um Spear and Clover Mastermind for free. Um, we also have two free courses as of the time of this recording, although I'm trying to put out a new course every week. So we're working very, very hard right now wow. uh, to put out courses. Yeah, we, That's we a did lot a of course. Energy. Yeah, I was only working 20 hours a week. Well, I've been a little bit harder working lately, but, uh, but not probably not 40. Um, yeah, we put one out, uh, earlier this year, uh, earlier, uh, this month on, um, sales mastery. And we put out one earlier this week that I created completely in one day using chat GPT AI and it's about chat GPT AI. So it's kind of a meta muse project that if you want to check it out, it's on the website for free. That sounds fascinating. Jason, my last question is always the same. So it's your turn now. So in three generations, what do you hope your great-grandchildren remember about you? Hopefully, I would hope that the word that comes to mind is abundance, that I have an abundance of love and energy for helping people, as especially the people um, in my life personally, uh, as well as professionally. Um, and so, you know, what I hope the generations of my gym remember me for are the babies that are running around because their parents met in my community. And so what I hope uh, my entrepreneurship legacy will be business babies that maybe wouldn't have existed if I had not been here. That's fantastic. I love it. I love it. Oh, Jason, this has been so good. Thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate your time. And obviously this has been a wonderful conversation and I, I hope your audience enjoys it. Absolutely. Thank you everyone so much for being with us. I hope you have a fantastic day. We'll be with you again next time. God bless you. Eric L. Dunavit here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunavant.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, 
We would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media. And we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you, all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360.com and all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.